Welcome to Ashland University's Professional Learning Podcast. This is your host, Dr. David Silverberg. So we have with us today, Dr. Dee Basinger, and she's director of the PD Services, Professional Development Services for Ashland University out of our Columbus Center. And we're very thankful to have her here today to talk about how this uh, pandemic is gonna be impacting K-12 and home life as well. So welcome, Dee. Thank you, thank you, glad to be here. So what do you see as the future of education? Um, I don't think education is going to be the same. I think education is changed forever, and that's a good thing. I think teachers being forced, unfortunately, to literally jump into this arena will change it. Um, I have felt for the last five to 10 years that technology was finally ready in terms of being able to truly help educators. Uh, Before that, it was a hit and miss. But now I think that the network, the um, what supports that technology is finally in place. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a go. There's no way that I think it can go back. And on one side, it's very scary. But on the other side, it is very exciting, at least from my perspective, because I, I know that when they go back to school, their practice will have changed. This cannot not change them. Uh, They will see things that they can do with technology when they go back that they hadn't thought of before. And I think that is vital for growth and I think that's vital for education. You know, it takes supposedly 20 years for us to finally adapt and change. Well, we're doing it right now in, in weeks. And that's a good thing. So what are you working on lately? Right now, I'm actually working on a course that will allow teachers to get graduate credit for the work that they're actually doing at home. They are learning a great deal. They are actually in charge of their own professional development, and that's truly job embedded. So we are literally working on a a course to be able to give them credit for the work that they are doing with their students right now. Outstanding. So if somebody wanted to follow up with you to learn more about that, they can uh, email you or go to the website for AU. Absolutely. Great. Thank you very much. Um, You know, part of what we're looking for, I mean, everybody's really looking for this right now during this challenging time is advice. And so uh, we'd love to hear any advice you have for, you know, real world practitioners out there that are looking for um, ideas, best practices and so forth. What advice do you have? The first piece of advice that I have for teachers is take a deep breath. Um, I want every educator to remember that everything does not have to be done in one day. As teachers, you are used to making split second decisions. In fact, most teachers make about a thousand decisions a day. Every educator has unexpectedly hit a wall and it's left them reeling. Be kind to yourself first, everything, be be kind to yourself first and everything else will follow. I realize that learning technology is first on your mind. Realize it will fail. You will make mistakes and that's okay because that's how we learn. It will suddenly work and you will be relieved and proud of yourself. Take a minute and pat yourself on the back. What about some examples of best practices that you're seeing in the field, strategies, techniques, um, 
ways of coping and adapting and evolving that have come out of this situation? What works? So best practices are really determined by the grade and the subject being taught and the teacher's comfort level with technology or lack thereof uh, that they have as well as their students. A district in Central Ohio that exemplifies best practices across the board is Olentangy Local School District. While this district um, has, would be unable to foretell all of this happening, they have positioned themselves to be able to meet the needs of all of their students as well as their, as well as their teachers. They have invested in professional development as a way to guide the, the, the districts. They've been using a learning management system with teachers for several years. And they have been given the opportunity to use the system as a learner and as a creator of lessons. They have had lessons that have specifically taught the system, but they've also given teachers the opportunity to actually use the system. As a result, when that stay-at-home order came about, they just flipped a switch. Most of the teachers didn't have to learn something new. They were able to put into practice those things that have been working for the last with for the last four or five years. In terms of best practices for general teachers, again, it is going to, going to be determined on your grade level and on your access to technology. There is not a one size fits all. You know, I'm curious about your notion about the district that was so well prepared, though they wouldn't know that this was happening, of course. Mm -hmm. What about a district that maybe was not as far along a line on the learning curve before this all happened and is kind of trying to sort it out on the fly, really? What would you advise them? Um, literally, take one day at a time. Think about your plan. How, how much access do students have? I'm right now, I'm sitting in a community in a county that literally has extremely limited access to technology. The internet is literally almost non-existent. I've actually been to schools in this county where my phone did not work. So they are going to have to approach this in terms of best practices much differently than an Olentangy would. They're gonna to have to find a way to connect to parents and to students in a way that literally while we want them to keep that social distancing, there's going to have to be, you know, the blizzard bag, there's going to have to be packets, there's going to have to be some sort of communication, whether that's on the phone, or if, if they do have the technology, something like Zoom or Google Meets. But again, they really don't have it. So every single instance is going to be specific to that district. Interesting. And is that the kind of thing that you could provide advice for if somebody wanted to reach out and say, hey, we'd like to be brainstorm some strategies, some coping strategies, if you will. Um, uh, is that the kind of thing that you'd be able to be a resource for as a Absolutely. professional development leader? Absolutely. Uh, my background is in instructional technology. It is on instructional design, period. Whether it's online or offline, instructional design is instructional design. And to get kids active and to be able to uh, get them motivated to do the things that we need them to do in order to be successful. Absolutely. Right. And what would you say are some of the biggest challenges? And I think you've, you know, you've referred to some of these things, but if you could dig a little bit deeper on some of the biggest challenges and maybe some um, approaches 
techniques that could be used to overcome those challenges because people are obviously looking for real world solutions here. Mm -hmm. Well, I tell you, I have had a front row seat watching a teacher struggle. Um, it, this is a brand new reality. And part of the challenge is that they literally don't know what to do first. And so they just, can, they just begin to spin. And that's why I began this discussion with take a deep breath. The second challenge, of course, is the knowledge of technology and how to use it, when to use it, and what to use. Uh, to overcome the challenge of technology and the lack thereof and to begin to solve, problem solve. Those are major problems right now that teachers and, and districts are facing. What I would say to them is, even if you don't have a computer or a laptop or an iPad, a lot of the world does have that smartphone. Access Facebook, access social media, there are hundreds of teachers out there willing to share what they know to, uh, to help you. All you have to do is ask. There are videos on YouTube. If you don't know how to do something, YouTube is the thing to go to. I have literally used YouTube to learn how to put siding on a house. Now, if I can do that, I'm sure that you can use YouTube in order to figure out how to present something to your kids or to provide already a link that's already out there. Maybe somebody's already created it, and you will find that out through social media. Um, don't expect to become an, an expert in using technology in a short time, uh, but you will be better prepared when you go back into the classroom. It will change your practice. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because something I, I uh, you'd mentioned you might want to talk to today a little bit is how you see this affecting K-12 moving forward. Uh, do you have any thoughts about that? How, you know, as we move through this and what's going what's gonna to come out of this? Any thoughts about the future? I, I really see that this is going to be potentially a much different future for K-12. Um, I am thinking that as administrators to be, as they begin to look at their districts and everybody's, you know, the, the population expands and they build a new building. Well, what if they could use that building and create this you know, top-notch, latest technology science lab, and instead of having five of them, because they've got five sections of science, they could schedule that lab where students were coming in to do lab work, face-to-face -face work, but there was also work that they could complete at home. And then that brick-and-mortar building doesn't cost as much anymore. And we're able to literally reallocate our resources so that learning still happens in a very positive way and we're not just building buildings and more buildings and bigger buildings. And it, it makes sense to me to have a blended learning situation. I know lots of people call it flipped and lots of people call it blended. To me, it's just a really great way to learn. Um, I watch as parents are struggling to be the homeschool teacher. And what they don't understand is they don't have to know it all. Think about when you were teaching your child to ride a bicycle. You didn't say to your child, put your leg over the seat, do this. You didn't do that. What you did was you supported them. You held them up 
until they were going and you could let them go. That's what we need, need them to do now. They do not have to be an educator. They do not have to know it all. They just have to give support. And maybe that support is giving them a schedule to live by. Kids need that. They need structure. That's what parents can do. Thank you. And you've referred a few times today to different um, resources that might, there, might be out there for teachers. Uh, can you speak to that in a little bit more detail, other resources that uh, educators or educational leaders or parents, I guess, can refer to uh, for support? Absolutely. So lots of districts, you know, they have, they've adopted different types of learning management systems where teachers can put lessons up, videos up, and links up. Uh, Canvas, Moodle, and Blackboard. Uh, but if you're not sure to how to use that system, YouTube, YouTube it, you will find, you will find thousands of how-to videos on any one of those products. And while you're looking at YouTube, don't forget that you can actually create a video of your lesson, put it up on YouTube, and then students can actually comment and, and give you clarifying questions so that you can actually communicate through YouTube to find out what they need. That is a great resource. Um, you will be able to um, find your standards. I do this and I'm always amazed at this. I actually, when I am looking for a lesson for a particular standard, I actually type that standard in the Google search box. You'd be amazed at the resources that come up for that specific standard. You don't have to search 9,000 websites. Type it in Google, you will get it. And one of the most important things that we can do is, as educators and parents is to make sure that kids are reading. Reading and writing are the two most fundamental skills that kids have to have to get along in this life. Uh, for the little ones, pbskids.org. It's an unbelievably great resource. It has reading, it has games, it has age-appropriate videos. Uh, actually, when I was teaching uh, ki kindergarten, first, second grade in technology, that was their reward for cooperating through the week. And they were learning and didn't even realize that they were learning. It is truly a wonderful resource. Another one uh, for middle, middle and high schoolers, um, I really like uh, readwritethink.org. That is also one that is supported by um, the Department of Education for Ohio. And this, it is, again, the resources on here are just mind-blowing. Um, they have both fiction and nonfiction. They have all sorts of, of uh, opportunities for teachers and for parents. Parents can access this stuff too. Another great resource, and this is an oldie but goodie, it's called newsela.com. And this, this one also is another one that has fiction and nonfiction, and it changes all the time, and it does have news on it, but it also has English language arts. It's very involved and very in-depth in that. And um, Info Ohio is a library on steroids. This resource is available for everyone in the state of Ohio, um, and I access it all the time. I actually contacted Info Ohio because I'm in a university now and not in a public school district so that I could have access to it because I can research almost anything on Info Ohio. And the last one that I'd like to put out is uh, 
commonlit.org. Again, it has fiction and nonfiction, but it also gives Lexile reading levels. So if you know where your child is reading, you can literally find a book that meets their need. And that, research, that, re, that resource goes from grades three through 12. Excellent. Thank you. And uh -huh. uh, as far as if people want to follow up with you to probe any of these issues more deeply as far as how they can develop a strategy for their district or any of the other points that you mentioned, uh, what would be a good way for them to reach you? Uh, they can contact me through email, C-B-A-S-I-N-G-E at ashland.edu. They can contact me through Twitter at D-E-E-M-C-G or they can call the office or myself. And either way, I will get a hold of them. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we put this project together as a way to try and provide solutions. Ashland University wants to be, uh, along with all the others that are out there, making a difference and trying to deal and support with this challenging situation. And we really appreciate you joining us in that effort. Thank you, Dr. Basinger. Thank you for having me. This podcast is licensed under Creative Commons.